0: The 62nd edition of the Four Corners podcast starts right now. Black holding high goes to Darty. Darty and the double team
1: gives it back to Black with 20 seconds left to play. Goes back to Michael Jordan jumper from out on the left. Good. Rebounded by Weber. Michigan out of timeout. Weber front court Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout. Technical timeout. Technical foul. Technical foul on Michigan. Ed Corbett. Can run the baseline. Hands in the ball. Brown gets it into Williams. Here comes Williams front court. Williams on the drive. Gets it back out to him. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May it's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 8972. And how about them tar heels? They are the national champions. Matthews. Off the mark. And this year, the confetti is going to fall for North Carolina. They're not going to be denied this time.
0: Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony back with you guys tonight following Carolina's disappointing, you could call it embarrassing, 98. To sixty nine loss to Kentucky in the CBS Sports Classic, it was Carolina's largest mar- largest margin of defeat since two thousand twelve, when Carolina lost at Florida State by thirty three. They had their largest deficit since two thousand ten in the season finale at Cameron Indoor Stadium, the sixth worst sixth worst loss in the shot clock era, which of course. Is since 1985, 1986. And it drops Carolina's overall mark against the Wildcats to 25 and 17. And future Hall of Famer head coach John Calipari improves to 7 and 4 against Carolina. Buddy, not a lot went right for the Tar Heels. They won the opening tip, and that's about the only thing they won tonight. And what is Easily the worst performance, the worst effort, the worst display we've seen so far under new head coach, Hubert Davis.
1: Yeah, embarrassing is about the only way to describe it. Um, you know, we were hoping that the worst performance of the season was going to be what you saw against Tennessee. And tonight was that and then some. Um, they just looked shell-shocked out of the gate early on, and, and, and really it was just that first turnover where Kentucky gave the full court press and Carolina had no response for it. That was really the end right there, it seemed like, and they just could not find a way to ever get themselves back in the game. You know, they had to run right before halftime to cut it to 11, had a chance to cut it to single digits on the final play of the first half. Um and 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 you know going into halftime you had to feel okay because you were like all right we we played our worst game of the season so far we're um not shooting the ball great we're not playing great defensively but we're still in this game and the second half is where we've really thrived and that did not happen in this game they played worse defensively in the second half than they played in the first half mm-hmm. and uh yeah this this was just an all around uh, embarrassing performance because you know we brought up a few things in the pregame that uh they had to do um you know and and they simply did not do that uh at all none of them they didn't execute any of them and uh it's one of those performances where you know hopefully you just burn the tape and move on but i, I it, it it's hard to believe that that this is a team after tonight that uh is the second best team in the ACC yeah
0: the it was It was really disheartening. And I think the, you know, especially for me, I've been watching Carolina play basketball for almost 15 years. And I can usually tell early on, if Carolina is going to get run out of the gym. And I had that feeling pretty early because Carolina looked completely disinterested, disengaged, and Kentucky came out and hit Carolina right in the mouth. And I think we expected that because Kentucky had had a week off since their disappointing loss at Notre Dame a week ago. But we also felt that Carolina was going to be uh, energized to play the game, considering the fact that, eight hours beforehand, that wasn't so sure they were going. They were going to get to play this weekend. They still got to play. It wasn't against UCLA. They still got to play against a top tier opponent, and and the, still something that they could have proved something to the college basketball world, national television, all that great stuff. And it was just completely the opposite. They came out flat. And I thought, I thought they competed the last five minutes of that first half. You got the deficit down to eleven. You're thinking, okay. There's 20 minutes to go. We were back in this thing, and we didn't play well because they didn't. The first half, they would shot 10 of 27 from the field. They did not make a three-point basket. Kentucky out-rebounded them by 12, and you're down 11. And by the under-four-minute mark of the second half, that lead had blossomed to more than 20. Hubert Davis was calling a timeout and it was pretty evident Carolina had nothing to offer Kentucky tonight on the basketball court. And it was just something that was very, it was very frustrating because you competed against Purdue and you didn't get the results you wanted. The next, the next game against Tennessee, you weren't overly competitive, but second game of a back to back, the first time this team's had to do that under Hubert Davis. You know, it was a first time for a lot of people to experience that type of performance. And but you came back and you and you were able to bounce back and win five straight games, and it's it's hard to not leave today thinking that you're right back where you were after that after that Tennessee loss, and maybe that's a little bit of a reaction because they did some really nice things in that five-game winning streak, but all of those nice things that they did, they really went to waste today in what was the most disappointing loss um, so far under Hubert Davis, and really... I mean, if, if 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 you exclude the losses in the NCAA tournament that effectively end your season, A and M, the you know A and M, Auburn, and then last year against uh, Wisconsin, this is as deflating a regular season loss that Carolina has suffered in quite some time, and it happened in blowout fashion. Let's take a look at the box score. It's not going to be a fun box score to look at. I'll bring you in on a couple of the stats that I want to uh get your thoughts on as well. Uh field goal percentage advantage Kentucky they shot 54%, 39 of 72. Carolina just 43%, 23 of 53. Here's the first stat I want to talk with you about. Kentucky 53% from behind the three-point line, 8 of 15 not not a great volume of shots but they did shoot more than 50%. But Carolina just 8% from behind the three-point line. One of with as, as they only made one of three attempts. That one made triple was made by Brady Manick in the second half when the ball game was effectively over. Last two games entering today, Carolina had shot less than 35 to 35% from behind the three-point line. But it, it kind of felt like, okay, that's that's going to happen. As much as – I'm not going to say this team relies on the three-point shot. But as much as they shoot it, there are going to be nights that you're not going to make a high volume of them. You look at the number of percentages and it was – or attempts, it was just 13. It's hard to say that Carolina didn't live or die by the three. But I think the flip side of it is this. It was Carolina's offense at times this year – even when it's running through the high post, it runs through the high post because of the looks they're getting, because of the the, the way they're having to defend the, the uh, three-point line. Well, once it became pretty apparent that Carolina wasn't going to make perimeter shots, Kentucky just clamped down even more defensively. And it really took Carolina out of what they want to do on the offensive end, especially in the half court. And I think that's something that you've got to be worried about. It's why I've been saying all year long that you got to play inside out. You can look, you know, you'll look at the stats and say, "Well, you know, they put the ball inside," but it was more of a reaction to what they were doing on the perimeter. And once tonight, a team took away your perimeter altogether, and they were able to clamp down on you on the interior. Carolina had no answers offensively tonight for Kentucky's defense.
1: Well, they've just lost the shooting rhythm that they were in early in the season, and There isn't that spark plug that's really been able to help them because, again, tonight we saw Kerwin Walton get much more opportunity than he's gotten in the past couple of weeks. And yet again, it's just there's there's nobody on this roster right now uh, that is in a shooting groove, and that's that. You know, that's part of it. I think that's that's something that Carolina was going to have to deal with at some point in the season. Uh, it just it happens at, at this time, and maybe that's a good thing. Maybe you don't want that to pop up again during conference season, but you just wonder now: is this going to be a group that is going to sort of average out as a three-point shooting team, or will they be able to get back to that point that they were at? early on in the season and yeah that was one of the keys to this game and we talked about it was that they needed to have a good night shooting the basketball from the perimeter because we knew that inside some of these guys were going to be tested and I thought we saw that I, I think you know Armando for the most part on the offensive end seemed to handle it rather well um he had a pretty solid night offensively but on the defensive end he struggled and for Dawson Garcia and Brady Manick, they had absolutely nothing for this team inside. Um, they got beat up. So, you know, this this is, as we mentioned, one of the tougher teams that you're going to face inside for sure. But uh, it, that, that was a little bit discouraging. So, yeah, you needed that perimeter shooting to be really strong. It wasn't. I thought some of the shot selection, um, they definitely – uh, I got a little bit flustered early on. I thought, you know, R.J. Davis took a lot of shots early in the game that were really just four shots that he didn't really have to take, and I think that was that that was a big part of why Carolina struggled. But, the, you know, the the biggest guy that tonight just was way too quiet in this one was Caleb Love. Um, he was almost non-existent, and you needed him to come out and play probably one of his best games of the season, especially with how you started off early on. uh, And that simply didn't happen. And so uh, you're left sitting here kind of wondering where you go from here. You know, I don't, I'm not, you know quite where where you're at. I don't think you're all the way back to where you were after Connecticut, because I mean, look, you do have those wins over Michigan and Georgia Tech that are still there, but this is th- this is concerning. This showed you some concerns that you probably should still have about this team, and maybe ones that you didn't know that you had just yet. And I think one of those that now is is going to be being talked about for a little bit going forward is going to be that perimeter shooting, and that especially that three-point shooting.
0: Making our way through the box score, Carolina outshot Kentucky from the foul line tonight, 22 of 28 for Carolina. That was 79%. That was led by Armando Baycott, who was 6 of 9. Kentucky was 12 of 17 for 71%. Turnovers, Carolina 12, Kentucky 9. But Kentucky got 22 points off of Carolina's 12 turnovers. Carolina got 14 points off of Kentucky's nine turnovers. Well, that eight point difference didn't help matters um, in, in, in tonight's blowout. Here was really where the game was won or lost, and we told you this was going to be the, the the biggest deciding factor in the game, and that was rebounding. And Kentucky rebounded Carolina 44 to 26, 27 to 20 on the defensive glass, 17 to 6 on the offensive glass. Anthony before Carolina grabbed their first offensive rebound, Kentucky had 11 of them. And we knew that was going to be a problem entering the game. They were one of the, they they led the country in offensive rebound percentage. They were the third best offensive rebounding team in the country in terms of offensive rebounds per game, and they looked up to the part Oscar Tshiebwe was fantastic 16 points 12 rebounds but kentucky got the they got the rebounding contributions we told you that carolina needed to have in tonight's game armando baycott had 10 rebounds but dawson garcia was second on the team with five and three players were tied with two rebounds as the third most on the team the biggest issue i mean first off was a was the margin that Carolina got out rebounded, but it was the effort. There were just simply Dawson Garcia and Brady Manick. They weren't getting their they weren't getting their bodies on Kentucky shooters. And Kentucky was simply miss a shot. And they just were able to get the offensive rebound with little to no resistance. And, you know, we talked about when we were getting into the game that this Kentucky team looked a lot like what you saw from Carolina under Roy Williams, where their best offense was usually their second-chance offense. And there were times tonight that you could tell that Kentucky simply settled for shots because they knew they were going to get an offensive rebound. And that was the most infuriating thing, I thought, was that Carolina looked lethargic. They looked a step slower from the word go, and they just simply had no answer. And it was as disappointing a rebounding effort as I could remember in all my time watching Carolina basketball.
1: I mean, they had 26 rebounds the entire night. I mean, I remember repeated amounts of times under Roy Williams where Carolina would have 26 rebounds and a half. So this is – I mean, yeah, you you expected – look, I expected that Kentucky was going to give you a real test on the glass. I, I thought, okay, there's a chance Carolina could lose the battle on the glass. but. Kentucky had nearly double the rebounds that you had in this game. They, they were – I mean, they were plus 18. They had more defensive rebounds in this game than you had total rebounds in this game. And as you mentioned, I mean, early on in the game, there was a point where they had more offensive rebounds than you had total rebounds in the first half. Um, yeah, you're right. I mean, there were multiple possessions tonight where it wasn't just one offensive rebound it was two sometimes three i thought that possession in in the second half was pretty much represented representative of the entire night oh um, yeah
0: that that possession caused me to throw um two stuffed uh or 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 two pillows and and and, and i mean look uh, it's
1: just it it was just like you said it was it was an effort thing um kentucky just wanted it more and they looked like a team that was motivated to prove to people that even though they had two losses, even though they hadn't really beaten anybody at that point, that they were a good basketball team. Mm-hmm. And you could see that from the get-go. And, you know, it, it, the, the, the thing that was most disheartening for me, uh, you know, or, or concerning for me for sure so was the, was the fact that – You definitely
0: disheartening. This was disheartening. Or-
1: well, the, the thing that concerned me the most is that we thought coming in, okay, the guy that is going to be the toughest for us to defend against on the glass is going to be she, Boy. He didn't play the last 12 minutes of the first half, and you mm-hmm. were still getting dominated on the glass. It was, like you said, it was everybody that was finding a way to out-rebound your, your players, and it, it's – it's something that just, you know, it can't happen again or else there's going to be more results. You know, maybe not to this level, but it's going to be similar. This is something that we never had to worry about under Roy Williams. I mean, it, it happened from time to time. There was a game back in, in 2018-19 where Carolina got destroyed on the glass by uh, by Louisville. And well, what happened after that? I think it was – like there there were like seven or eight straight games where carolina just absolutely destroyed teams on the glass after that this team i don't know if that's if that's something that's gonna happen i i think there's a possibility i don't think that this is this is going to show what what's going to happen for the rest of the season with this group um I I definitely think there will be a, a focus from the coaching staff on trying to get this team to rebound better going forward and use this as one of those games that you look back on and say we never want to be in that position again right but at the same time you know it's it it's not crazy to think that this team is going to have moments where they're going to struggle to rebound because it's just not built the same way that Roy Williams' teams were. But in a game like this, you, you have to show some sort of resistance, and, and, and they just let Kentucky do whatever they want.
0: Few more stats here as we conclude our look at the box score. Second chance points advantage Kentucky fifteen to six. Silver lining though, Carolina's bench did outscore Kentucky's bench twenty one to nineteen, led by Brady Mannix seven points. Demarco Dunn had four points, and Dontre Styles had two points as the freshman actually got some playing time in this game. Points in the paint. Last thing that I want to get your thoughts on was 54-36. Told you entering the game. Kentucky was the best c- team in the country in making two-point baskets. They averaged making 26 of them per game. They got 54 points on the paint tonight. And a lot of them were on layups and dunks and then whatever they got in the second-chance points. Carolina's defense – this was the defense that you saw in Connecticut. No resistance. They couldn't stay in front of the ball. They couldn't – there there was never any pressure applied on the ball. And they simply allowed Kentucky play – you know, whether it was Ty Ty Washington, um, Wheeler expressively – uh, especially, excuse me, um, to get to where they wanted to get to on the court and take easy to comfortable shots – and I told I, I I told you guys entering the game that I thought this was a type of game where Carolina, if they couldn't guard the ball, they were gonna have to go play zone defense. That didn't happen. There were no adjustments made defensively in this ball game that I could that were definitively um visible on on the television. And time and time again, Kentucky got what they wanted to at the rim. And really, just inside the arc, and, and they and they just carved Carolina up. Carolina got 36 points in the painted area, which was is a lot, especially for this Tar Heel team. But when you give up 54 points, it's 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 going to be really hard to expect you to win or, or or expect to win, um, you know, most nights.
1: Yeah, I it I mean it was just it, again we we said it. Coming in. You you gotta be able to slow this team down. You can't let them drive to the lane like they've been able to do so far this season. And Carolina showed no resistance to that. Even the guys that we have pointed to had been playing extremely well in those areas. They struggled with that throughout the night as well. And it just it opened everything up for this offense for Kentucky. I mean, there were multiple times they just drove right by guys and finished at the rim or drove by them and got fouled. There were multiple times where they were able to just drive right by guys and kick it to the outside for threes. And they shot the ball, as you said, only shot it 15 times, but they shot it extremely well, shooting 53.5%. So, I mean, it's – it just – this one really hurts – in that area because you thought that this team had taken such a huge step forward. And maybe this is a momentary lapse, but this was worse than any performance that they had had this season. This is the worst performance that they have had in almost seven years in, if you look at points per possession in this game. They have Kentucky averaged 1.36 points per possession. I saw that on social media. That's the most that Carolina has allowed in seven years. So, as bad as you thought they played in some games earlier this year, this game was even worse. And Carolina is going to have to find a way to not let this become a major issue again. It looked like you had gotten some things figured out. And again, the good news is, is that, hey, the rest of the ACC not not great off- offensive teams this year. But this, if if you want to be the second best team in the ACC, if you want to compete with Duke later on this year and try to get to a point where you can still win the ACC, which I, I you know I think is still possible, then you've got to make sure this does not happen again. And the thing tonight that I think was concerning is, you know, we felt like some of the games earlier in the year because we didn't see a whole lot of them, we thought, okay, well, maybe throwing a guy like Anthony Harris in there could change things if we throw him in there or some of these other guys. There was no answer tonight. No matter who you put out there, you had no answer for this team. They were just quicker than you. They were – I'm just you know better all around than you and I think that's you know that that's something that that scares a lot of people for sure because that was the feeling that you had at times in each of the last two years. I don't think this team is anywhere near as bad as those teams from the past two years, but this is one of those games that with what you've seen over the past couple of years it, you you have a right to be scared with what you saw tonight.
0: Yeah, and, you know, they've got a lot of work to do. Last couple stats, fast break points, 14-11 Kentucky. Blocks 3-2 to in favor of Carolina. Steals 8-4 to in favor of Kentucky. Assist, 20 assists for Kentucky on their 39-made baskets. Carolina just 9 assists on their 23-made baskets. We move on to our quote of the game. We go to Hubert Davis, and I heard this on the Tar Heel Sports Network. And um, I thought it was – I'm not going to say ironic, but I I thought it was kind of well put. Um, Hubert said that I thanked Coach Calipari after the game. This humbled us. We're either going to sink or swim. We'll get back to that in just a little bit later in the show. The stat of the game, pretty easy, guys. It was the rebounding. Kentucky, everybody, Carolina, we just talked about, Forty-four to twenty-six and seventeen to six on the offensive glass. We're going to take a quick break. Then we're going to come back, dive a little bit more into the actual game of uh, uh, into the actual loss to tonight against Kentucky, and then get some more thoughts and takeaways as Carolina's season marches on. Football fans, I'm sure we all love an action packed, high scoring NFL game, but with the latest no brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you will be a winner once a single point is scored. New customers who bet just $1 on any team to score can win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on the NFL action. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving new customers shots at millions of dollars and total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TBPN. Bet $1 on any team to score, and you win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit, and $1 wager is required. Only one per customer. Restrictions do apply. See draftkingscom sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Really hope you guys are taking great advantage of all these great offers I've been giving you over here on the Four corner side of things. Same for Anthony on the Heel Tough Blog side of things, which that offer that you're hearing right now is being voiced over by yours truly. So it's effectively me giving you both offers. Here's the first thing I'm going to say about tonight's game. Um and this and, and it's a twofold thing cuz one of them I've really bit my tongue and I hadn't said it, I hadn't said anything um on the podcast at least about my feelings about this. We are the University of North Carolina. We are in our opinions the most storied, rich tradition programs in college basketball, in college athletics, and I've, I have made the argument that being the head basketball coach at North Carolina is one of the top five jobs in college sports, and it's better than half the jobs in the NBA given the money, the prestige, and everything that comes with being the head basketball coach at Carolina. So with all that being said, there's no reason that we should be wearing Alternate uniforms that don't commemorate something memorable. I know we got in an uproar uh, with the Duke game a couple years ago, but that was them honoring the 100th anniversary, 100 year anniversary of the best rivalry in North American sports. Not going to freak out about that. The black jerseys look good. Not going to lie. It really brings out the best in our colors. We don't need to wear them, we don't need to do that. We don't need more marketing for Nike. We need to make more money. And, look, the biggest problem is that the players requested to wear them upon Hubert Davis being hired. That's fine. He honored their request. To then go out there and play like that, that's really (laughs) deflating. And then the second thing, when it comes to wearing headbands, I don't like it. And I don't like it because Roy Williams doesn't like it because after a loss to Gonzaga in 2007, when Ty Lawson and some other guys wore headbands and you got, and we got our butts beat at Madison square garden, Roy said, by God, we're the university of North Carolina and we don't wear that crap. We have questioned if this team is a team, if it's a cohesiveness and look, Maybe using a headband is a really, really far stretch. But it does make you look like an individual, and they don't look like a cohesive team out there because they're not all dressed the same in the same uniform. But as far as I'm concerned, we should not should not see the black uniforms ever again. Those things should be tarnished, put away forever. You want to wear a different uniform? That's fine. We got some of the best throwbacks in in college basketball, bring out the throwback uniforms, especially bring back the throwback road uniforms. We've never seen those. We've seen the home uniforms. They look pretty slick. They they look pretty slick. I'm pretty sure the road uniforms would look pretty sweet as well, especially when you're playing against another premier blue blood. That was another thing. These are two of the best programs in the history of college basketball. And you want to wear – something that isn't in your tradition and your history? Nah, I don't want to see that ever again. Moving on. Let's talk about the effort and the energy because it wasn't there. Hubert Davis said after the the loss to Tennessee, he would never have to coach energy or effort again. Um, Six games later, we're back at that same spot. And that's why I said that it might have been something – like where those where that five-game winning streak kind of goes out the window. Because the same feeling that you had after that Tennessee loss, you have that again today, but it's even, it's even more extensive because of how, how, how much more you got your butt beat. And you were even less competitive today than you were against Tennessee. When Roy Williams retired, one of the big things he said was that he felt like he wasn't reaching his team. He felt like he couldn't get through to them. We're 11 games into Huber Davis, and it appears that that same issue is still prevalent. Now, that may, that, be, that might be more of a player issue than a coaching issue, but we have seen a couple times this year where Carolina has looked bad enough, where in years past, Roy Williams makes a 5-for-5, five five, sub so like you see in hockey, and he puts the blue squad on the team, we ain't seen that from Heber Davis let alone seen um the willingness to take players out after a bad start rj davis single handedly was a big reason why you were down as big as you were in the under 8 or the under 16 timeout because he took bad shots and kept turning the ball over and was getting beat defensively and it's just something that you know when it comes to losing i could handle losing a lot better if they play their best, if they play hard, and they give an effort. Carolina looked disinterested tonight, and for that to happen twice in the first 11 games of the season against two of the best teams you've played early in the season is highly disconcerting.
1: I don't think there really was anything that you could have done tonight to throw any of the guys out there, and it would have solved anything, honestly. I think that you saw that when guys came into the game that there was just nothing you could do. This team just did not have anything for Kentucky on the other side. And I mean, yeah, it's 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 definitely something that I think is is concerning because it's it's happened twice in, in eleven games. Um but I I, I mean <clears throat> I don't, I don't know how you fix it. I, I don't know. I think there's just going to be moments and, and times where this team is just not going to show up um, because it's, it's happened the last three years and it doesn't seem like that's changing. I think it's more about the person, the, the the players than the coaching staff. I think that it's just something that you're going to have to recruit guys that are going to give effort every single night that you don't have to question that with. Um and I don't – I don't know. I, I think this was just one of those games. I'm not going to say they weren't giving any effort. I think that Kentucky just clearly wanted it more. And there was never a point where they decided, well, we're going to try to turn it up and and match the intensity, if not better the intensity, that Kentucky's bringing. Um, they got – you know, they they pretty much knew after the first couple of minutes, I think, that this team is just going to outfight us for everything and there's nothing we can really do about it. Um, and hopefully they can avoid that going forward. There, there are hopefully not that many teams that are going to be able to do that to you going forward, but you don't really know. Um, and it's it, this, again, goes back to leadership on the team. Uh, you, you need guys that are on the floor that are going to step up, and when they realize that the effort level isn't there, they're going to say something. You didn't see that tonight. Well, that comes see... back to your point guard. You, you didn't see Caleb Love stepping up, but even still, I mean, you, we, we've talked about guys before that have been leaders on the floor that weren't even at the point guard spot. I mean, Tyler Hansborough was a, a guy that w- w- demanded excellence from his teammates. Um, Bryce Johnson is one that comes to mind for me as well very vocal guy that would step up and say something i mean look marcus page was a great leader but one of those guys that was more of a leader by example he would say things from time to time but the vocal leader of that team and the guy that would call others out and say hey we need to step it up was bryce johnson and you don't have either of those really right now um you know, I think you've seen some signs from Caleb Love, but it's, it's games like this where he just kind of disappears against some of the better competition that still have to concern you. And then in terms of the vocal leader, there is just nobody that fits that, that role right now, um, not on the floor. There's guys that will say stuff in press conferences like Brady Manick. Um, But you don't see anybody on the floor that is just getting frustrated with the effort and is trying to get things pumped up. That's something that you've got to find going forward. And I don't know if you're going to be able to find that this year. You're 11 games in. This might just be the team that you're kind of stuck with. But moving forward, you've got to have somebody on this team that can be the vocal leader, that can be, you know, your coach on the floor. That, th- those were when Roy Williams' teams were at their best. When you had somebody that pretty much was him on the floor. And uh, it usually that's your point guard. Yep. But uh, you need somebody else that can step up out there. I mean, it, it's just right now you don't have it. And it's very, very evident. So – We'll we'll see. I'm not, you know, again, I'm not going to say that this season is over based on tonight's game. But I think that that is one of the things that you need to see going forward. I want to see somebody step up and become a leader on this team. And I think you've got to do it here at least within the first couple of weeks a conference player, you're just going to be this team that on some nights when your team gets off to a slow start, which happens to everybody, you're going to be that team that doesn't have the leader that can inspire you to react off of that and finish the game strong.
0: Touch on Carolina's defense. I think the thing that I, where I was most fresh, most frustrated tonight, was the lack of adjustments that seemed apparent to the naked eye, to me on television. And by that, I'm saying this: Kentucky didn't start the game pressing consecutively. They would throw the press out here or there, and it affected Carolina. Then in the second half, they really they really turned the pressure up. I mean, they were up 30 still pressing which kind of shows you the lack of respect they had for you as an opponent, which makes sense because of who who, who they're coached by. But there's no way, in my opinion, that Hubert Davis watched that and didn't think that it impacted the game. So how how could you justify not countering that and pressing, throwing, or – Throwing a zone defense out to see how it would have affected, affected Kentucky. We're, he's not at a point in his career, 11 games in as a head coach, where you cannot make adjustments and not be questioned because you don't have a track record that shows that your way of playing and thinking ultimately it's going to work out and we're going to win a lot of games and win championships and this, that, and the other. And that was where I got frustrated. Had 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 he tried something different like we saw in the beginning of the year against Brown, against, the, against the College of Charleston, and you still got carved up and you still couldn't hold your own on the glass? Not going to complain as much because at least it was apparent that you were trying you could say as much about the players not trying tonight on the floor you could say the same thing for this coaching staff that they didn't try to help put their players in a better position to to make plays and be competitive and that's that's really frustrating and you know for the rebounding i think i think tonight you saw the potential of what could happen to you with your front court which is um, there there are going to be games like tonight, a gill, potentially against Duke, where your front court gets manhandled. The most puzzling thing about that was that Kentucky didn't have more size than Purdue. They didn't have more size or length than Tennessee. And I thought Carolina competed much better in those two games than they did tonight. And... And that's going to be something that Carolina's got to monitor moving forward. I think it's being addressed in the recruiting where he's getting the type of players that he wants on the offensive end, but still getting the type of guys that give you what you need to have defensively, which is length, and size and really just some bulk and some girth. And it's gonna be something that Carolina this year, they're just gonna to have to live with because you've only got three front court players. Justin McCoy is not a is not an a, a weekly or a nightly part of your rotation. And I think he's proven that he can't even bang down low in the post with the fours and the fives. So do you have any thoughts you want to add about Carolina's defense or their rebounding from tonight?
1: Um, I mean, with rebounding, I think it's you know it it just shows that again in those games your your shooting is going to have to be really really good and i and i i think that you know the guys down low um primarily i mean de- definitely bacon there were moments where you could score down low so that's something that you're you're, you're still going to be able to do you need to do that in the game against duke I, I mean you saw the the one thing that they did well early in the game was they got uh to Shiboy and Foultro. They they went after him and and did what they wanted to do there. The problem was they weren't able to take advantage of it once they got him off the floor. You need to do that again when you play Duke later in the year. If you can get Paolo Banchero off the court, then do it. But you got to be able to, you know, I mean against them it's the same thing. You got to realize that they've got other guys down there that can rebound they've got really good size all around so you're you're gonna have to you know either step your intensity up and try to match them uh, or you're gonna have to be a team that's gonna have to knock down a lot of shots from the outside uh, as a result to try to counteract what they're doing on you know the glass and and that's something that Carolina is not used to um, in terms of their defense, I, I'm I'm with you on that. I've been with you on that all season, that they need to try to throw some different things out there. Uh, you you would think at some point that Hubert Davis and the coaching staff as a whole would have gotten frustrated in this game enough to say, well, let's, let's just try something else. Throw anything out there. Let's see if it works. Even if it doesn't, it's not going to be any different than us just doing what we're doing right now. Uh, I think this team would benefit from – running a zone defense, for sure. I I think that that the only concern is that, you know, guys, are are they going to be able to rotate over fast enough to prevent teams from knocking down threes at a high level? But, hey, in this game, you didn't do that anyway. So uh, it would have made a lot of sense to throw something different out there. But I think what it was is probably the fact that you felt like the last four or five games defensively, You've played very well um at, you know better than you played early in the season, and he thought that just sticking to what you were doing was going to end up helping you i i don't you you can't you can't do that you've got to be able to occasionally say, "Look, this isn't working tonight. let's try to throw something different out there That doesn't mean that moving forward you've got to see that every night that doesn't mean when you make the move to A zone defense. Well, this is what we are for the rest of the season. We're not allowed to go back to man defense. That's not how it works. You can throw different looks at teams, but I don't know. I feel like at this point, the coaching staff is kind of showing us that we are going to live and die by how they are playing defensively right now. That this is going to be a defense where they're going to stick man to man, and that's just what you've got to worry about. You know, that's what you got to live with going forward. But uh, I, I think you want to start seeing them throw some different things out there because I, I still think that th- this team really isn't all that great defensively. I don't think they're as bad as they showed tonight. I don't think they're as bad as they showed in a couple of games earlier in the season. But I don't think that this team is much better than an average defensive team.
0: Yeah, no, there's there's no denying that, that they're just th- – their ceiling is average, I think, at this point. I think – I thought entering the year they could be really, really good defensively. I no longer have that belief i think I think if they're I, I think they can be average and when they play offense at a really high level, average will still be good enough for them to win a lot of games and be the type of team that we want them to be I think they're still capable of being, but for that to happen, their offense has to get back to functioning the way we want it to. The perimeter shootings really dipped the last three games. I don't know if that. You know, six-day layoff from that Georgia Tech went, uh, game to the Elon game really just took them out of rhythm, or or what? But the last two games, they entered the they entered today shooting under thirty-five percent from three in both those games, but didn't really matter because of the level of competition you were playing tonight. It really mattered, and the biggest issue was that Carolina early on was wanting to take perimeter shots, which I didn't think was a wrong was 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 a bad idea, and I thought they got quality enough looks from behind the three point line early to where you could justify taking those threes, but they didn't make them and The problem was was that because that was their early mindset and not putting the ball inside to Armando Baycott, it really made it easier for Kentucky's defend defense to just clamp down on Armando on Dawson Garcia uh, especially, and Brady Manic when he was on the floor and in the game. And, you know, Kerwin Walton, we've had the argument about him being on the court and not shooting the ball. He got eight minutes tonight, took one three, and it wasn't even close. But that's, this has become the problem is that you didn't have Caleb Love, or RJ Davis in rhythm and they are rhythm shooters. They're not, they're not naturally they're 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 not just naturally going to walk out there and shoot forty percent from three. Kerwin Walton's capable of doing that because that's what he did last year. He popped up in the middle of nowhere and started shooting lights out from behind the three point line. And Brady Manick has been up and down from time to time. Dawson Garcia has been up and down from time to time as well. And so, the perimeter shooting, you they they've looked like the team the last 3 games that we've seen the last couple of years where they were one of the, you know, historically one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the history of the program last year being the worst, which brings us to Armando Baycott because had he not shown up tonight, I don't know how bad Carolina gets beat because he was the best player on the court for Carolina by a wide margin, 22 points, 8 of 13 from the field, was 6 of 9 from the foul line, gave you 10 rebounds. And he was the guy that, it was evident, competed the hardest, played the hardest. And when Carolina was in the ball game in the first half, it was because of him. He had carried Carolina through the first half. I mean, at one point, he had scored – Eleven of the team's first thirteen points, and and so it was pretty evident that he was able to pick up the scoring slack early for this team. He has really become the consistent player that we need him to be because of the the issues that we're we're still dealing with with Caleb Love and R.J. Davis at times, and then you're not getting consistent contributions from Dawson Garcia and Brady Manic, and I thought that was the. Another issue with tonight was Garcia entered tonight, having scored a combined 42 points in the last two games, thought he turned the corner, just six points, two of six from the field, gave grabbed five rebounds, but was simply uh, ineffective on the defensive end of the court and was weak with the ball offensively. Manic, just seven points, three of six off the pine with one of three from behind the three-point line. And, you know, last year, Armando Baycott had games where he would just disappear. And it didn't really matter because Carolina had a multitude of other bigs that they could still withstand it and still find ways to win games. They don't have that luxury this year. And he's been the most consistent big. And as much as Caleb Love might be the most important player on this team, and I still believe that because he's a guard, Armando Baycott has solidified himself as the best player for the Tar Heels this season.
1: Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And tonight showed it. I mean, once again, he had another tough battle against a really good big. And I I mean, I know Chibwe definitely out rebounded him at at, at the end of the day, but I still think that he, you know, probably got the best of him in this matchup. And that's twice now where he is faced some really strong big men and in both games he's actually gotten both guys into foul trouble um we saw him tonight take uh off the dribble a couple of times so yeah he's showing that he is carolina's most complete player he is definitely their best player at this point it's just yeah you've got to see more consistency around him you can't see these games where guys simply just completely disappear um, and have no effect on the game and I think the biggest you know thing for him though that he's still got to work on is is on the defensive end of the floor. And there were times tonight where he was just simply beat. There still looks times where he looks lost, so Carolina's got to get that figured out uh for for him uh especially when they get ready to face uh that Duke team later on in the year and Uh, Maybe, you know, I mean, they're, they're right now, there don't seem to be that many great big men in the ACC. So that's the good news for them. But when they get into the NCAA tournament, they may have to face those guys as well. So, uh, that that's the one area that he's got to work on, but I think you know you saw it tonight. He he's aggressive on the offensive end. He did a good job of getting to the to the foul line as well. Um, and and really, you're right. Was the only reason that Carolina didn't get beat by forty or fifty in this game. Uh, if he wouldn't have shown up, then this would have been a brutal brutal night for the Tar Heels. He definitely made it a lot better. Now you're just looking for guys. Uh, that can step up around them and try to avoid these types of games going forward.
0: Let's get to some general thoughts moving forward from tonight's loss. And I think the first thing is, what does this mean? I mean, Huber Davis said that tonight's loss humbles them, and they're either going to sink or they're going to swim. And, you know, (sighs) I want to be optimistic and positive because, well, they were at this spot. Roughly a month ago, and they responded with five straight wins. But I also don't know if this is what it's going to be where they're going to play well for a stretch of games and then they're going to throw out a clunker. And then you're kind of just, you know, right back to where you were, which is what did we accomplish? And I think, I think that's, I think that's where Carolina is right now. The record isn't bad. I think eight and three, you got your last non conference game on Tuesday. If Carolina finishes the non conference season with a nine and three mark, Um, And with one of those wins already being an ACC win, you're not going to feel overly, you know, discouraged by that. But you're still, you're kind of right to where where you've been the last couple years when you've entered an ACC play, which is you don't know what type of team you have. We think this team is capable of winning an ACC championship and and being really good and making a deep run in the NCAA tournament, but they also could be a team that finishes the middle of the road in the ACC and could be one and done in the NCAA tournament. And so I think it brings us back to where we were against or after the Tennessee loss. We're not good enough to not play to our best night in, night out, and expect to win. There's talent here, but there's also a lack of depth here. There's also a lack of just – they're not as talented as as they could be, as we expect a Carolina basketball team to be. They've got to play to the highest level that they can play night in, night out to give them the best chance to win. And, you know, I think what that brings us to is after tonight – are we less confident in Hubert Davis and the staff because I think I think that's a legitimate question, Not saying that Hubert Davis can't coach, not saying that the staff can't make adjustments. we've seen them do that from times or at certain times this season, but the confidence level that the issues that exist on this team, that they're going to get fixed and they're going to, they're going to get corrected and then stay corrected. It's not as high as as it, as it could be and as it should be. And as it has been in recent years.
1: Well, he's not Roy Williams. I mean, let's just throw that out there. People want to believe that this is still Roy Williams that is coaching this team. And that's not the truth. And for a lot of people, Um, this is what you wanted. You wanted to say that it was time to move on from Roy Williams. There were some people that thought that it was a good day when Roy Williams moved on because that's what the program needed. Well, now you're sitting here saying, yeah, that's – you know, we're, we're struggling and I don't understand why. Well, this is what you deserve. This is what you were begging for. And you're finding out that Roy Williams really was that great of a head coach. And this, I, I under, you know, I'm I'm definitely with you. Um, that that there, you know, there there are some reasons to look at this and 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 wonder, you know, is this going to be, uh, you know, a team that uh, or a coaching staff that's that's going to be able to consistently make the right adjustments? I still think it's early. I still think the thing that you've got to do is you really have to get through this season uh, before you can you can make a full assessment of exactly what this coaching staff is because this this situation was a real tough situation. You went out to Vegas thinking that you were going to play one team. You got hints that you were playing. The they were playing Kentucky. You what? Well, no, you, you didn't know that going out there. because yeah he, did. The, yeah, he
0: said that in his post-game press conference.
1: Well, then that's that's not a good sign then. If you knew all week that you were playing Kentucky, then you should have been preparing for Kentucky. They looked like a team that prepared for a completely different team. Um, so I, I don't – then then that really is a problem. Um, but, again, I, I think that you've still got to wait until the end of the season before you can really say this guy doesn't have it. This this staff around him doesn't have it. And I'm
0: not saying he, that. I'm just saying.
1: Well, no, well, no I'm not saying that. But many most people are. There are a lot of people that are sitting here tonight that are saying to themselves, this is Matt Doherty again. And that's a joke. Because as I told you the other day, those two wins over Michigan and Georgia Tech are very good wins. They cannot be taken as nothing. And there are people that want to say, well, he hasn't won anything since he's gotten here. No, that just is what fits your narrative. That's not the case right now. Was tonight bad? Yes. It was, it was not good. But there have been moments like that under every coach. You've got to see a response going forward. If this becomes the new normal this year under the coaching staff, okay, then we can have a legitimate conversation even before the season is over if this becomes what we expect every time that we're out there. But that's not the point that we're at right now. I don't think that this is going to be a team that is going to say, well, this is what, this is who we are going forward now. We're going to be a team that, is probably going to finish bottom half of the ACC and we're just going to roll over. You can't look at tonight's game and say that everything that this team has done so far this season now goes completely out the window. It's a setback for sure. And it's reason to look at certain things like the defense, like the the depth at, at, at big man and say, okay, this is this is concerning and we know that this is this is an element of this team going forward but at the same time if you're a carolina fan you shouldn't be sitting here saying well you know what it's probably time to start thinking about you know next season already because it feels like that's the point that some people are at already that this season is over that this team isn't going to accomplish anything and that it's time to move on and if that's how you feel then I don't know what to tell you. you're just you're, you're a miserable fan, and it's going to be a long season for you.
0: So you brought up the next thing that I wanted to get to, because I saw some interactions on Twitter, Facebook, from from the fan base, um, which we can all admit is, is very toxic, myself included, and and the, the gener- and the general question was, is this the, is this the new normal for, for Carolina basketball? and I'll, And I'll provide some context. You look at the last three NCAA tournament losses. You lost to Texas A&M, Auburn, Wisconsin, all in blowout fashion. You have tonight's blowout loss to Kentucky. You look at when was the last time Carolina had a signature marquee win during the non-conference season. They don't have one this year. They didn't have one Last year, they didn't have one. The year before that, even the, the team that Kobe White was on that eventually won the ACC regular season and was the number one seed in the NCAA tournament, they didn't have one. And then you look at just some other stuff. Carolina hasn't won the ACC regular season, and right now it's two years, you're going on three. They haven't made the ACC champion ACC tournament final since 2015, 16 uh, when they last won it, when they beat Virginia. And so there's a lot of things that this program does consistently at a very high level, which is why we believe it to be the best program in college basketball. They haven't done some of those things at the end of the Roy Williams era into the Hubert Davis era. Now, yes, they've, they've made two final fours within the last decade. They've won a national championship. Within the last decade, but since that national championship, they haven't accomplished to the level that I want them to. Hopefully, you want them to, and many fans want them to. Is this what car? Is this what Carolina basketball is? Which they're going to be a good program, but not a great program, not an elite program, a top tier program?
1: Uh, no, I, 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 I mean, Jesus Christ, are we really at this point where? We're going to sit here and start I, – I saw it tonight. Well, we're just the new Indiana. Yeah, that's, that's folks, what I was getting at. Folks, this is a damn rebuild. I don't know what to tell you. And I don't care laps? how many laps I have to take. I really don't. I am so frustrated with this dumbass mindset that half these fans have. I just – you should have known coming into this season – that not everything was going to be smooth sailing. If you thought this team was going undefeated at a conference, if you thought that this team wasn't going to have games where they just simply got beat down because they had those even in some of the years where they've had a ton of success, it happens. Sometimes it's just not your night, and that was tonight. Sometimes there are going to be moments where you're going to see this is a new coaching staff. This is a first-time head coach. This is a program that is still trying to work on things and build themselves back up. I don't understand this mindset of people thinking that just because of what we've seen here over the last few years means that Carolina is completely out of the, the running of being a relevant power in college basketball. Here's my thing. Aren't we just coming off a season where Kentucky was 9-16? and 16? Like, are, 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 are we thinking that if they start to struggle again this year, well, they're done. You might as well pack their program in. I mean, please tell me because I want to join that train. There is no reason to believe that this is what you should expect going forward. And if you do, then, you, again, you like misery and enjoy it. And again, I don't uh, – this is almost what people deserve because there were so many people that wanted to say that Roy Williams was losing it, that Roy Williams – I saw people that said he was never really all that great. Well, guess what? Now you're finding out how great he really was for this program, and I love it. I think it's hilarious watching you morons complain that wanted him gone at the end of last season and that cheered that he was gone. Cause it ain't working out the way you idiots thought it would. So this is, it's, it's not the new normal. All these people that are panicking, thinking that it's the new normal, enjoy that. Um, But yeah, it's been proven multiple times that Carolina basketball finds a way to come back. Sometimes you're going to have down stretches of your program. It's been proven by all of the great programs In college athletics, no matter what sport you go and look at, it's been proven that even the great programs have down moments, and especially in college basketball right now, where what what powerhouse program right now is dominating? What blue blood has been dominating over the past few seasons? I'd like to know that answer because it's none of them. There is a lot of parity in college basketball, and if you're a general college basketball fan, it's great. If you're a fan of one of the Blue Blood, Blue Blood programs, it's not all that great. So it's something that a lot of people are dealing, dealing with right now, but you can't, you can't be at that point. How did you go from these same people were saying just earlier this week, man, this team could compete with Duke, this team could probably win the ACC, to now Well, this is the new normal, we're a horrible basketball program. Shut up.
0: I really hope for my sanctity, your sanctity as being my best friend and co-host of the podcast, this isn't the new normal uh, because I like winning a whole heck of a lot more than I like losing. And I I do think there is optimism for this program under Hubert Davis simply because of this. And I'll and i I'll come back to it until until it's not proven wrong or until it's proven wrong. Hubert Davis wasn't my first choice. I made that known. But he was Roy Williams' choice. And we all know how I feel about Roy Williams. And I will hold on to the fact that if he thought he was the right person for the job, I will see this thing through to the very, very end until it is proven that it, 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 he ultimately wasn't the right person for the job. Well that is going to go ahead and wrap up this edition of the Four Corners podcast. Before we let you go, do want to get you over to the website Healtoughblog.com, where you can read a recap of tonight's loss to Kentucky. I recap the game, go a little bit more in depth on some certain issues that happened with the ball game. Um so you can catch that. I'll be getting you ready for the App State game on Tuesday when Carolina returns back to the Smith Center. Um that you'll be there'll be a preview article up for that game and a recap article up as well football side of things. It was a busy week as Carolina had National Signing Day. Anthony recaps the top ten class that Mac Brown brought in. They added a member to the offensive line via the transfer portal. That article is up there as well. There will also be an article upcoming up as well about – other transfer needs or, or transfer portal needs that Carolina could add to their football roster. So get all that great football, basketball content over at the dot com. As for the podcast, how things, you know where to find us. We're on the Basketball Podcast Network. We host through Megaphone, but you can find us on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, every big podcast platform. The Four Corners Podcast is there. Go ahead and like the podcast, review the podcast, review me as the host, review Anthony when he's co-hosting with me. But most importantly, hit that subscribe button. That way you get every great podcast like this one in your podcast library. Well, it is going to wrap up this edition of the Four Corners Podcast. I do want to thank Anthony for hosting with me tonight. I want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels.